Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mental Toughness and Body Show. My name is Rob Evans, and I'm your weight loss coach, health strategist, and internationally published author, helping take your life and your business, your health, fitness, mindset, and body from where you are right now to where it is that you want to be. And I've got a tremendous guest with me today, Stacey McPherson. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Stacey. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, it's fantastic for you to, to join me. Um, now, Stacey is a private client advisor and co-founder of the Happy Life uh, Results. Uh, Stacey has been described by the world's number one wealth coach. I love this. JT Fox, the happiest person on the planet. And you're, a, you're in outer space at the moment, so that makes sense. <laughs> uh, and she brings her incredible passion and energy as the chief results officer on your team, never quitting until you get success. Stacy is, wait for it, mother of seven vibrant children, an author, an award-winning speaker, a health enthusiast, and a world traveler. Her passion is helping you get what you want while keeping what matters most. Wow. The world's happiest person, hey? I love that. Thank you so much. So Stacey, I wanted to start out because you're, you're based in Europe. I'm down here in, in Australia. Um, I don't know what it's like where you are at the moment, but the Omicron COVID variant is going absolutely nuts here in, in my state. The kids have just gone back to school. I've got clients each week that are having to isolate because they're getting it. I'm just wondering with COVID and you, what have you learned about yourself over these past two years as a result of you know, the dramatic change that we've had in lifestyle? Thank you for asking that question. It has been a challenging two years for me as well. And one of the most challenging aspects is that my husband is high risk. He has scar tissue in his lungs because he contracted Hanavirus when he was about 30 years old. Um, he's in excellent health other than scar tissue in his lungs. So he has been high risk for COVID. So it's it's made our family so much more conscious and so much more careful of, of exposure and also just keeping, keeping him safe. So there was a, a year's time where he was not going into the office and he was self-isolating to a large degree. Um, the kids didn't, weren't in school at the time. Um, and so we, we really had the opportunity to, to be faced with this great challenge, to, to be faced with mortality, really, and then also what what is the what should be the focus of our family during this challenging time? And I had six children with me at the time, um, which is I feel very lucky that they could all be with me because yeah. the older ones were um, in college and living abroad, and and luckily they were able to come and and stay with me. And so what we did for one year is we worked together on my business, which is now our business. And so it turned into the most phenomenal experience. My relationships with my children grew beyond what I could even think of as being possible. Um, just close knit, fun loving, enjoyable time that we spent together working and, and all of our, uh, we, we did a lot of really fun things as a family. Um, every week we would brainstorm ideas and, and do really fun creative things. And it was very enjoyable. So it ended up being, a definite success story, although it started out with a lot of, you know, stress and pain. So thank you for asking that question. What I find interesting is uh, like the media here in Australia uh, talks a lot about the numbers every day and it does your head in, you know, so I just don't listen anymore. And there's so much conversation around the negative side of COVID and not many stories at all about the, the positive you know, what's come out of it. And for me personally, similar, I've got like two teenage daughters and uh, I've learned so much about them. I mean, we, we tend to outsource so much of their upbringing by sending them off to school and so forth. And because we had to do so much homeschooling, I had no idea, you know, the challenges that they face and, you know, how they learn now versus how I learned like so long ago um, in that, you know, in the, in the classroom. And, uh, you know, it brought me closer together uh, with my kids. It gave me greater appreciation for teachers. It gave mm -hmm. me 
you know, a greater appreciation for the challenges that they have in learning and the volume that they, uh, you know, shoveled every, every day. Um, but not to mention the, um, well, this particular podcast came out of uh, COVID. And so you and I wouldn't even be connecting if it wasn't for, uh, you know, how it's opened up my mind to the world and how I can, you know, build relationships with people on the other side of the, the planet. Uh, so for me, I, I think COVID has been fantastic in terms of the opportunities that it's, has provided and the success stories, like you're mentioning uh, just there. I mean, we hear so much about family violence and the divorce rates and all that kind of stuff, but there's not enough of uh, exactly what you've just said there. So uh, well done, because that's no mean feat with six kids. Thank you. <laughs> um, so tell me about the um, being the happiest person on the planet. And okay, so <laughs> a lot of people have been listening to this and thinking, how the heck is that possible if you've got seven children as well? And obviously that comes with a certain focus as well to be able to come there because it's easy to look on the, the glass half empty. So tell me a bit about how you stay so vibrant and, and happy. Okay. So yeah, so it would be quite an accomplishment for someone to um, be the happiest person on the planet if they they had all the wealth they wanted if they didn't have the the, the challenge the lovely challenge children bring into our lives um, and potentially someone who was um, living in the same location and not traveling to new countries every few years you know things like that um, so it it is something that that I've I've learned to do like you alluded to it's not something that just came natural to me that I just was a just a happy person and I never had struggles or I never was um, unhappy. Um, so it's actually been a very concerted effort, something that I've, I care a lot about and that I've put a lot of study and practice into. And so um, just to give you a little background, we are diplomats. So we travel to a new country every three to five years. And I bring my children with me um, until they're old enough to, you know, go on to their own endeavors and go to school and things. Um, and so uh, that provides all kinds of challenges, living in foreign countries and relocating a large household and things like that. Um, and another aspect of my life that I've been very passionate about bringing happiness to, and that is my relationship with my husband. So we've been basically newlyweds for the last almost 30 years. This December, it will be 30 years. Wow. Whenever people see us together, they think we're just newlyweds. They don't think we have children, let alone grandchildren. So I do have two grandchildren yeah. and one on the way. <laughs> wow, so, congratulations. Yes, yes. And I do have, it's very methodical. The way that I've changed from being kind of sort of normal or somewhat depressed to being who I am today, There, it's been very methodical. I've had very clear measurement and very clear clear breakthroughs that I'm able to share with my clients. And it's been, I can't tell you enough how, how amazing it is to not just be happy, but then to help other people change their lives, have, have them like forget what their life was like before almost because that yeah. it's so, it's so effortless for them to maintain a positive internal state. So it's been an amazing journey. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I love how you talk about that. Um, I want to talk about how you uh, work with organizations and help, you know, become their chief results officer. Uh, but before we do that, because you kind of alluded to it there, uh, whenever, you know, we're not born with these skills and we're great at, at doing these things straight away. And then even like living life, you know, it takes practice and you've got to learn how you operate best and so forth. Um, so as you know, with what, what I do, like health and fitness is a, and nutrition is a huge part of, um, I call it my spine, you know, without that, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. So maybe you could talk a little bit about your health and fitness. And I suppose, first of all, why you see that as being so important for, you know, putting the smile on your face and the spring in your step. Oh, yes, yes, it's very important. So I, I call it um, fine tuning your engine, like you, you are a vehicle, you have an engine, and you want your, en your engine to be like, running in the top capacity that it can. And the more careful and capable you are at taking care of that engine, the more you can do. Like mm. people 
are, are kind of shocked when they find out what my lifestyle looks like, like how busy I am and how structured my days are and how, how, how much I can accomplish, but it's so much, there's so much that it, the, you need to really focus on that engine in order to have that capacity. And so it's, I would say, yes, it's very important. And then also, um, so my personal journey is that I, I um, have really taken care of myself. And what I've done is I've always thought I want to take care of my, my old me. Like, I want to take care of myself. I want to take care of the things that matter for longevity. So I've always been like, kind of like felt a lot of affinity and like, like, um, care for my, my older self. And like, like, Stacy, I love you. Like, how can I take care of you? Like, what are the best things to do? And many things that people do for their health can be very short-term Yes. And get some benefits short term, but they're not helpful long term. Um, a lot of the fad diets and some of the the exercise that doesn't involve the whole body, the whole core and everything like and flexibility, things like that, that that are good short term, but aren't taking care of the long term you. And so it's just I don't know why as a 20 year old, I cared about who I would become in you know, 30, 40 years, but it mattered to me. And so I did my due diligence and researched what, what, what mattered, what was good for you, not just today, but long-term. Yes. And so I, the more I've learned, the more I've just applied it and looked at results and, and gratefully over time, I think I've made good choices because people are very shocked to find out I have the grandchildren and that I live yeah. such an active life. So yeah, longevity. Yeah, that, yeah, it's beautiful. And I mean, you, um, you know, the way you present your lifestyle, your energy, uh, and everything. Yeah, I'm not surprised that people are surprised to to know that. Oh wow, you've got that many kids, and you know, this is your you've been married this long, and so forth. Yes. you're not completely crushed and you know completely <laughs> yes. worn out. Um, I love that. Um, so kudos to you for being able to you know, really embrace those principles for you because most people don't. Um, so well, well done. Uh, you mentioned there uh, something that I think is really important and uh, I like to look at it as like reverse engineering your health. And so well, think like you just said, uh, when you're whatever you consider old, whether it's 70, 80, 90, if you make it that far and beyond and say, well, what do you want to be doing at that age? And most people have an image of, oh, well, they're hunched over, they're in a home, they're whatever. But I don't want to be like that. I want to be doing what I'm doing now when I'm that age. So if I'm going to want to do that, what do I need to do now to ensure that I can do that? And most people don't do that because, like you said, they're focusing on the short term. Think, okay, well, I want to look good in a bikini or in my board shorts for this summer. And that's it. And then at the end of summer, it's like, okay, well, yeah, they're back on the beers or whatever. And the, you know, poor choices, no exercise. Um, and it's not about finding that sustainable energy and health for, for the long term. No, exactly. Yeah, well said. I agree. <laughs> yes. So I do like to give people, if you're prepared to share, a bit of an insight because we, I mean, we have a wide spectrum of, of people uh, on. Uh, the Mental Toughness and Body Show, and everybody does it a little bit differently. I know you and I uh, do things a little bit different when it comes to our health and wellness. It doesn't mean that I'm right and you're wrong. It's just, it's you know, it's different. And uh, I encourage everybody. It's a bit like religion. I don't have a view one way or the other. It's just about, well, embrace what it is that you're doing and be passionate about it. And I think that's important. So if you don't mind, do you mind sharing what a, a typical day of, say, or week of exercise, because I know you do yoga in there as well, um, exercise and food looks like for you to just give people a, an insight? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I have, when I've, I'll just tell you a little bit of backdrop or backstory to where I got to where I am today. And that is I've done some some testing. So wh whatever I do, I test it on my body. I test it. I, I give it a, a really solid time frame. I'm very diligent on keeping, keeping track of the results. And I test out different methodologies, different ways of eating, um, because I want to know what affects me and how, how I can be the most optimal. So that being said, it will be different for each individual. And I encourage you, whatever you do, to do that experiment on yourself, test it on yourself, be vigilant about the, the effects, and then also give something a good 
a good time frame. Don't just try it for a couple of weeks and say, oh, I tried it. Like, no, actually give it three solid months and say, I'm going to try this new eating style or this new workout program for three months so that I can, I can actually get a good, um, a good idea of if it was effective or not. And so, um, so to, to get to where I am today, there's been a lot of tweaking, a lot of adjustments and a lot of, and, and to some extent, a bit of extremes, just so that I could find out whether that thing was beneficial or not. So for example, um, I do intermittent fasting and that's where I've settled on. But in the past, I've done regular seven day fasts so that I can kind of reset my body clock and get into um, kind of a, a neutral state to start over with a new focus. And so I feel like those seven day fasts are cleansing and helpful physically, but also mentally, because sometimes we need to reset mentally and yes. be able to see how we're motivating ourselves, how we're handling our stress. And when you do something extreme, like a, a seven day fast, I do drink water. I don't do a dry fast. Um, and so just that has been helpful for me. And then, so, so that's the back kind of the back story. And then now today I do weight training three days a week and I do, um, uh, I don't know how specific you want me to go, but it's about a, it's about a 30 to 45 minute, you know, weight. And I increase the weights methodically so that I'm always growing. And I also adjust how I do the weight. So I don't just always do bicep curls to get my biceps stronger. You know, I do a variety of exercises and as much as possible, I try to include my core and I do body weight exercises and things that also include balance. So I'm not just static at the machine, just doing reps over and over. I'm actually engaging my, my core while I'm exercising and, you know, working on the, the way the body was designed to move. How do I move in my daily life? I want to strengthen those muscles and I want to make it be sustainable. And I want muscles to support good posture and, you know, good sleep and all of that. And so I do the weight training three days a week, and then I follow it by a pretty intensive short burst of stretching, um, yoga poses, and my own version of stretching. Um, so I've been successful in being able to do the splits. So that is, it was a goal that I had when I was 35 years old. I wanted to be able to do the splits when I was a grandma. So I'm not naturally flexible and I just kept going. And so now I can do the splits. And actually recently I was in her, I was on a panel with um, some celebrities and I did my splits on the stage, which was, I kind of got some shock and awe there. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty amazing. Jillian Michaels was one of the ones on the panel and she has, you, if anyone knows, is familiar with her, that she does amazing fitness and she's an amazing fitness coach and a businesswoman. And she, I have a picture with her with the shock and awe face. And she said something about she couldn't even do that when she was five years old. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So flexibility is very important to me. And then, and then in addition to that, I have one or two longer sessions of yoga, stretching, you know, but balance and, and also the meditation that goes along with it. So three days of, you know, we're lifting weights with my stretching following, and then one longer or two longer sessions of yoga. And one of the things actually that Jillian Michaels told me is that she said this from the stage at an event that I was at. And then later I got to actually meet her and have a picture with her. But she, she told the group that once you achieve a level of fitness that you're happy with, maintenance doesn't need to take much time mm. to maintain. You don't need to be hitting the gym for hours and hours. Yes. It takes time to get to the point where you're at, where you're happy, where you want to be. And you're like, okay, let's maintain this level. Obviously you don't just do the exact same exercises, but you want to hit that main, like, I want to maintain this. Then you can actually, you can actually have a very balanced life with not yeah. that many hours of exercise and be very fit. Like I, I'm very happy with where I'm at. I'm close to 50 years old. I have a six pack. I have, you know, I have the definition and I'm also very happy with the weight that I can lift, you know, so it's been a very positive experience. So thank you. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, very comprehensively answered. And thank you. I, I think you, you've hit on so many different points. We could speak for a few hours just on, on what you covered there. Uh, but the fact that, uh, you've embedded it as part of your lifestyle 
is is really important and you know you mentioned you know your strength training uh what you do with food water why that's important for your sleep your core flexibility all that kind of stuff now the point here is that you've got to find what's important for you and that's obviously not something you've said okay well it's just going to be this from day one and it's always that you will have experimented over years to find out okay well this is what works for me and you've got to really love it and you've obviously found that right mix for you and you are spot on like maintaining that lifestyle is pretty simple and I think there's the perception uh, people get scared by the word six-pack and they think oh my goodness it's going to take hours and hours and hours you know a week of doing it and it doesn't have to like you, you don't have to compare yourself with the professional fitness models that are being paid to do it five, six hours a day or whatever, but even they could do it smarter than they do. Uh, and I think that's what really scares a lot of people off from having this healthy lifestyle. Um, I don't know what you see with people in, uh, you know, in Europe, whether that's the, the case with, with them, but certainly here, I mean, we've got like, like 70% of our population is overweight or obese. And they just find it's like, it's just too hard, too busy, too many excuses. Yes. Yes. No, that's what I found in Europe. And also in, when I've lived in the U S which is where I was raised, definitely the case. And um, to kind of help people feel, feel better about like how, it is challenging to change. Any changes you make are challenging. You're, mm. you're, we kind of resist change. It takes a lot of mental effort. It takes, you know, the, the mindset and the, the, you know, whatever it is that you use to motivate yourself. It's very challenging, but just to be aware that once you've instigated that new change and it becomes a habit, it almost runs in the background. It's like something that I do, but I don't really think about that I do it. It's just like kind of effortless. Like breathing. That's such a perfect example. Yes. Sure. You don't have to think, oh gosh, Stacy, take that next breath. Don't forget. Yes. You don't just forget. Do you just do it. I love it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So if that, if anyone were ever to be like, oh, but it's too hard, just realize, yes, there is a challenging period at the beginning where you're making those changes and transitions. But once you're there, it's so effortless. And actually what I found is once I'm comfortable in a new kind of phase, I'll find myself looking for the next phase. Well, how can I make exactly. this healthier? How can I make this stronger? Mm. So it, it, it is an amazing journey and it, it, it's, it's more rewarding than hard. I would say hard at the beginning, but then more rewarding than hard. Yeah, yeah, spot on. And I think it is, it's a lifelong journey. I mean, this, this month I've been training for 34 years and Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. The, my goals in 1988 were different to they are today. And even now, like I'm about to, I think it's, they're arriving in the next couple of days, but I experiment with my food over the last couple of years. I've been experimenting with just different foods. And I'm talking about, okay, if I exclude broccoli or cauliflower from my daily eating, what's the impact on me in terms of bloating and that kind of stuff? If I introduce, you know, these vegetables, take these ones out, um, you know, that's been a really interesting experience for me over the last 12 months. And I've noticed things that I never even would have thought were possible. Supplementation, you know, that's what's arriving in a couple of days. Uh, it's not like I try every single thing. I've found things that are stable for me, but then it's like, okay, well, here's new information, something new. Let's try that and see, does that add something new to my health? So I think it's, it's really exciting about the, you know, this lifelong journey we do go on. And like the phase that you said there, that I think this is the problem that people have with training, which is why you really need a coach. And obviously, you know, you're a coach, you've got, I mean, I've got uh, my own strength and conditioning coach, even though I train people and coach people in that area, I've got my own coach, my own business coach as well, uh, because you need somebody to hold you accountable and help you like my strength and conditioning coach. Most of the time he's just rubber stamps things and say, yeah, I think that's a good, we work in 12 week cycles. So I basically work through three 12 week cycles through the year. And then 12 weeks is a little bit more unstructured, but that provides focus. And most people think, oh, well, I'll just go into the gym and I'll start working out and they get bored because they don't have that structure and focus to, to get there. So I love how you've, been able to work that out and uh, you know, you're living it. So, um, you know, really well done. Thank you. Now I wanted to, we are getting to talking to the, you know, the business side, but I, I wanted to really drill into that because it is foundational. And the next step I wanted to ask you about, uh, you, I hear you talk about 
uh, nurturing your children to success and how we and how we do that. Um, so maybe would you like to speak to that a little bit and how you know you've obviously got a, a way of practicing that, but it's obviously something you're really passionate about as well and sharing with others. Yes, yes. Actually, someone was imagining what my life would be like with seven children. And um, they were saying, well, you must have fire after fire, crisis after crisis. Like, how do you even keep track of all of their schedules? And they were just, they said they were just overwhelmed just thinking about my lifestyle. And, um, and you're right, I'm very passionate about this topic, because what I've done is from a very young age, age, I've taught my children to be the CEO of their lives from a very young age, they're eight years old. And I'm like, you're in charge of your life, then help me support you to have the life that you want. And usually children are very, they're, they're at first, they, they're not sure what they want. And so one of the ways that you can help them and guide them is you give them opportunities to grow and opportunities to try out their wings. So for example, they, um, my children currently now all do their own laundry, do their own cooking, they do their own shopping, they do their own budgeting. So they have a certain amount that's available to them that needs to cover all of their expenses. And um, some of them, this is one of the ways that I've actually been able to see my children for who they are, for what they care about, is by giving them the opportunity to manage their own money. Because some of the children want designer clothes. Other, Other ones just want to save and save and save until they have more in their bank account. And then another child I had when he was 11 years old had saved his lunch money. So I give them an amount for lunch money, but they can save it if they want to and use home food for free, but they have to prepare it themselves. He did that for years so that he could do, um, a, create his own 72 hour preparedness go bag. Like he had, a, he had bows and arrows. He had a tent, he had knives, he had everything that he needed to survive in the wilderness. He had MREs, you know, meals ready to go, all of this, he had water storage, he rotated his batteries, like he taught himself all of these skills, they're not skills I had, they're not even, like if my 11 year old came to me without this system and said, mom, I want to spend $500 on a go bag, I would be like, no, that's not my priority, as a person, that's not my priority, I wouldn't say yes to that. But over the years, he saved his money. He made his own lunches. He didn't go buy the designer clothes. He would get thrift store clothes. He, he was yeah. very pleased with his thrift store wardrobe. Yeah. And so over a period of time, I was able to see what things were important to each of my children. So that's a benefit of this system. But another benefit is that they become incredibly independent children. They're, they, they are the CEO of their lives. They each of them have, not each of them yet, but the older ones each have a business. They have an income stream. They've, 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 we've done that as part of our schooling that, that they own a business and that they direct it. So it's been very, very fun for me to see them, to see their growth and ability to, to make money, to create an idea, to add value to the world. And it's been an, an amazing experience. So so going back to my comment earlier about my friend who said, your life must be exhausting. It's actually not because each of my children take care of all of their own needs and wants, and then they're there to support me, actually. So it's it kind of sounds too good to be true, and it is, but I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, like that is so impressive, um, you know, to be able to get the kids to, I guess, you also talk about passions to profits, but it's trying to ignite that passion within the kids so that they feel like getting off their phone or off their device to, you know, think a little bit differently and outside the, like the normal traditional schooling system. And, you know, oh, well, I have to wait till this age to start earning money and, you know, starting to think about those things in my life. And I know that, uh, you know, many uh, women that I, I work with, they see it as a very important part of their role that their kids don't really do too much and they're the providers for all those things. And yeah. uh, my mum, who's no longer with us, but she always used to say, we, we're not raising kids, we're raising adults. And that's exactly what you're doing. You, you, you're giving them these important life skills that really should be taught in schools, but they're not. And you're giving them such a, I don't know, that uh, such a leapfrog in life because of the experience that you're, you're giving them. And I know that, that it's not just like, oh, well, this is what I'm going to do and bang, it just happens. There's a lot of right. discussions and, 
and everything that go um, go forth in being able to get the kids to that point. But um, that is super impressive that you've been able to do that. So well done. Thank you. Well, obviously Thank you, so Anja, and your husband supporting yes. each other. Do that. Yes. I don't yeah, underestimate how big a role mums have in, you know, running the household. So yeah. uh, I'm sure many people are in awe right now. Um, so I wanted to ask you about uh, being the, the Chief Results Officer and when you're working with an organisation for the first time, because we've talked a lot about, you know, the, the personal things and so forth, but I wanted to do that because I find that many people uh, you know, might listen to the show, we give some great advice and say, oh, well, that's okay for you, but my life is like this, so I can't do that. And so I hope people are, are hearing the, the practicalities here. You're very successful at what you do in terms of what we're about to talk about here and working with businesses as a coach and so forth, but also your success, you're only successful that way because you do all these other foundational things. You know, you take care of your health, um, you're you're very focused. You're very um, you know you've got a good family life, like a great family life, a great relationship with your husband. You know you you are traveling the world. You've got this uh, you know great family as well, and you're nurturing them to do what they want. It's like you know you've it doesn't happen just by itself. You know it's hard. Well, I got just two teenage daughters, and I know the challenge that that can be. And so people could say, oh, yeah, well, you don't have kids or you don't have that. Well, yes, you do. And you're traveling around the world and you're moving different countries. So you're having to uproot the whole family, uh, successful in health, successful in relationships, successful family, and you've got seven kids. So you've got all that. So no one's got any excuses, right? <laughs> so tell me about uh, with the uh, being the chief results officer, when you start working with somebody the first time, uh, I was wondering if maybe you could break down how you do that. How do you go into an organisation and help them, help you get an understanding of where they are to then, you know, make them successful? Yes, yes. Okay, so first of all, what we do, and I do have the support of my team, the co-founders of the business, so it's not just me. Um, and there, And so we work together where we first come up with a very clear idea of what the person or the organization, actually both, because only individuals make up an organization, but um, find out what a very, very clear idea of what they want. Um, I found in life, people are very clear on what they don't want, but they don't always know what they want. <laughs> like they could sit and talk for an hour about what they don't want, but they don't know what they want. So that's like, key right there and so the very first time I have the opportunity to speak with someone um, and by the way I'm offering this to you an introductory call with me at no cost um, to you so whenever I speak with someone first initially I find out what it is they care about what is important to them and just get it so clear and so so like so that we write it down in their language of course it has to be something that that they feel passionate and strongly about that's individual to them. And so we do that first with the individuals within an organization, have them create this. And you've heard the term vision statement or mission statement, but it's so much deeper than that because it's gotta be what they truly care about, what really drives them, what their focus should, should be and get them in complete alignment with their, with their purpose basically. And then same with the organization. And then one thing that is so powerful that if your organization isn't doing this today, I would just advocate this, that you, if you don't have a vision or mission statement that's very concise, um, one or two sentences that's visible to everyone, do that. And then if you already have that, make it more visible. However visible it is now, make it more visible, put it in more places, have it be on people's screensavers on their computers, like have it be somewhere where they're always reminded of this greater purpose and vision for the company. And then um, even like putting it on the bags on the bottom of the bags when you sell, you know, merchandise, you know, things like that, that that keep everyone, even your customers aware of what your business stands for and what's important to the business. So that would, would be my kind of my take home for you. And then as individuals, be really clear on what you care about, what's important to you and what you value. So your vision and mission statement is just the very first kind of, you know, 
think what what's what what drives you what do you care about what what changes do you want to make and a lot of times i find out what it is if you're not very clear on what it is i'll find out what it is by what you don't want so yes. you can look at the things you don't want first and get a lot of information about that from you know but but then switch it to the positive instead of i don't want this and this and this in my life i do want this i do want a rich loving caring romantic relationship. I do want warm, caring relationships with my children where as they grow into adults, they want my advice. They want my, they want to be with me. They want to hang out with me. They care about me. And the more, the better. Like they, they, I, you know, be, be very clear. What is it that you want? And then um, once that step is there, then I can help break it down into very manageable steps. So within an organization, what is the end goal? And then break it down into manageable steps. And one of the biggest things that people struggle with is overwhelm. Yes. They see this big picture of what they want. And unfortunately, me sitting here today telling you what was important to me and what I achieved, you might look at it and feel overwhelmed and be like, well, that's just her. I couldn't do that. But what's amazing is when you have someone by your side, your coach going in and taking things into manageable pieces and then just focusing on one piece at a time, we're just going to do this this week. We're just going to do this today and then getting it so that it makes it makes perfect sense. It feels doable and you feel that that support from your coach, but also your own view you can see it as being tangible because now instead of looking at the whole huge thing you're actually just looking at today's today's assignment so it's it's very powerful i love how you you talk about the like the vision statement and the mission statement and and so forth and i know that that can be a bit scary for people uh but it's really about establishing you know what you want but i i think why you want it is even more powerful than identifying what it is that you want and I think that's true for every aspect of your life. People say, oh, you know, I'd be happier if I had more money. I'm like, would you? What would you do if you had that more money? Why is, like, you don't just want paper stuff or electronic stuff in your bank account. It's the experiences and so forth. But why is that important to you? Why do you think that people struggle so much with being able to identify in an organisation what it is that they want and, and why? Do you think they don't? They don't see the value in doing it because, I mean, I, I see the value when I'm working with people to help improve their, whether it be their, their health, their fitness, their body, their lifestyle, their business. They're not doing it. It's like, why aren't you doing these things? Well, well I have a very good answer for that. Okay, so what has happened in the past when you really wanted something, you really cared about it, it was important to you and you didn't get it there's a lot of pain involved. There's pain because they, they probably used a method that I call the bully method, meaning you use fear and pain as a, as a motivator to get you to do the thing. So you weren't enjoying the process. So for example, a diet, you weren't enjoying the process. You were thinking about all the things you couldn't eat instead of all the things you could eat. You were thinking about the negatives. And so you felt pain along the way. And then when you didn't get the result that you wanted, you felt a lot of pain. And so what has happened in people's lives over time is when they consistently use these methods that are painful, um, even, even choosing a reward is can be painful. Um, it's very similar. Rewards and punishment are, are almost doing the same thing in our brain because the reward is only good if you're getting the reward now. For any moment, you're not getting the reward, it's painful because you want yeah. it and you can't have it. And so reward and pain is, is almost the same motivator within our brain. Um, so when you, whenever you use this bully method where you use fear of not getting the thing, you use um, the, the motivation is, is it's, it works short term. So it, it can work short term, but it has negative effects. Um, you have your body in a state that's not ideal. So you're in more of a, of a fight or flight state. You have cortisol running in your system. It's just not sustainable and it doesn't feel good. You're, you're not enjoying the process. And then if you ever didn't get re the result, you associated a lot of negative negativity with it. So what I'm trying to get at is you think about all of that pain, all of that negativity, that's what happened last time you wanted something. So your brain is gonna protect you from that pain 
and help you not be clear on what you want. If you're kind of vague and you're like, I don't know what I want, pretty much everything's going to be either it won't, it just won't be as painful as that, I'll say, because yeah. it's, it's not ideal to be going around kind of wanting things and kind of not getting things. Obviously, that's not ideal either, but it, it is a, a, like a self-preservation mechanism so that you prevent yourself from being really clear. I want this exact outcome. I want to make $100,000 next month, like something clear and measurable. I want to, um, you know, I don't like using weight and I'm sure you don't either as a measurement of your health because you gain muscle, you gain weight. So it's very, it's very, very bad. But um, anything that you can use that's very measurable and clear um, and say, I want that, your brain will actually want to protect you from the pain you've experienced in the past of using pain to motivate yourself and also pain when you don't get it. So I think that's kind of the reason why people will not be clear on what they want. Yeah, well answered. I, I love that. It's um, it's certainly a challenge when, um, you know, we're, we're trying to achieve some change when our brains, I just did a podcast on it recently, actually, where you've got to like retrain your brain because as soon as we're in any any pain and I liken it to say putting your hand on a stove your brain says okay that's pain take your hand away straight away and any sort of pain our brain is designed to protect us so it's like if they're like if it's a hurt pain if I hurt my shoulder or my arm right now it's like oh you know you immediately protect it but we do that emotionally as well as soon as there's some emotional pain we must withdraw from that emotional pain as opposed to sometimes the only way you're going to get stronger like the this is why I like the metaphor of like being in a gym. You mentioned biceps there before. Like I can't just go into the gym one time and do one bicep curl and say, okay, I'm done forever. If you want to grow, <laughs> you've got to hurt. And the only way you get stronger is by hurting. And that's, for me, that's a lot about the emotional pain as well. You've got to step into that sometimes and you're not going to be good at it straight away. But each time you do it, you get stronger, you become more resilient. And that's how, or personally, that's how I found I've grown the most through pain but i i'm guessing gradually you stop associating the pain with something to avoid and you can actually get that high while you're Absolutely. feeling physical what people what other people would consider pain you might Absolutely. not associate the same <laughs> Absolutely, uh, absolutely i mean i have some clients for instance when we're training they hate the lactic acid burn and i say you well, I've gotten to that point where that's what I train for. Yeah. Train for that burn. It gets harder that, and harder then to it's get working. that. Yeah, then it's working. I know I'm feeling that pain. I love the saunas. Some people are like, I don't like the saunas. It's like, I love the saunas because now I know it's working. Uh, but uh, it, comes, it comes over time, doesn't it? Because the very first workout I did, I was really sore. And... Um, the coach I was working with at the time, he said, that's what we trained for. And I didn't get it at the time, but then it's like, oh, now I understand. Yes, yes. Yeah, cool. <laughs> hey, I wanted to talk about, uh, I say resilience, problem solving, because uh, it's, again, something that I feel that we need to practice uh, to get better and better at. I'm just wondering, what's uh, maybe the biggest challenge that you're facing right now for yourself? Yes, that's a very good question. We we actually, I just experienced quite a bit of transition. Um, we had been planning on staying in, in Hungary for um, three, three years at the minimum. And at the two-year point, we had some things come up that made it so that we needed to leave in a very quick manner. And so we needed to pack everything and re, you know, get our plane tickets and everything and get to the U.S. And because it was so quick, we didn't we weren't just arriving in a place that was furnished that had all, all of our belongings. Instead, we arrived in an empty house with suitcases. And so, um, so Stacey, we, I'm just saying, but this sounds like a, one of those movies where I said, okay, we've got to go. And you mentioned about your son's emergency kit. I'm wondering <laughs> that now you and your husband and family are criminals on the run and like the Von Trapp scene where you're escaping from Europe to get away from things, but yeah. It sounds very exciting, <laughs> yes. but it's actually more boring than that, unfortunately. <laughs> so we just, we, we relocated to the United States and then um, I have 
I had to set up my home office in um, less than ideal circumstances and then help the children through the transition of moving and going to a new school and um, all of the challenges that come from from there's just the financial element too that you're you're filling a whole house with beds and you know you've got to have these basic things and then um helping people with just the abruptness of the transition so i just recently went through that and so it was it was very challenging um and then in addition to that we are in transition again because we were buying two properties and some of the family is going to be living in one property and managing it as an Airbnb and then some of the other members of the family will be in a different location. So just all of the logistics involved and my business, I need, I mean, it's very, very important for me to provide stability for my clients. They need to count on me. I, when I say I need, I'm going to be there, I need to be there. And so it's been very challenging to have all of this life in flux and have my home office you know, basically non-existent and then um, all of that transition. So I, I would say that I, what I, I was saying that I didn't feel like I was thriving because it was so difficult. There were so yeah. many variables, all of the new properties and all of the deals, all of the, you know, life decisions we were making. So I was feeling like I wasn't thriving, but I was pretty pretty happy and like I was successful in doing things I just didn't feel as amazing as I did when everything was very settled in my life and so my said my son said to me he said so you weren't you weren't anxious or stressed out or frustrated or um, angry and you didn't do anything to like hurt your relationships and you kept running your business and I was like yeah but I just didn't feel like I was thriving and he was like I think most people if they if you were to describe the circumstances and you could say I could go that through that without freaking out and being stressed out that that would be considered thriving and I was like oh, okay that's a good way to think about it <laughs> but yeah it was very hard I didn't feel like I was doing well but I I was doing better than I probably would have done maybe 10 years ago, <laughs> so. Yeah, well, well done. And so obviously uh, you're working with people like through Europe, around the world, in the US and so forth. Do you think uh, with COVID, I mean, I don't know how your model was before, but I mean, if you think back oh, even five, maybe even 10 years ago, there was that thought that if you had a coach or you work with, say, a business consultant, then they're sitting with you. You know, they're, they're side by side. And I mean, COVID's taught us to work from home and, and do all that kind of stuff. Has, um, has COVID helped you expand your business? Because people are now, oh, yeah, well, I can work with Stacey. She's based in Hungary or she's based somewhere else in Europe or in the US, but I can still work with her because now my stupid brain has realised that, oh, yeah, I can still get awesome results with somebody that's not in the same room as me. 100%, yes. 100%. More people are comfortable with Zoom and online, you know, many more people. And there has also been such a need for emotional stability, for emotional health right now. And so I would say definitely there have been people are more receptive to it. They're more open to, like you said, having a coach in a different country, a different time zone. Prior to living in Hungary, I was in Israel for three years and have clients from Israel. And then prior to that, I was in Thailand for five years and still have clients and relationships from living in Thailand. So it's definitely been um, helpful to open people's mind to what can be done vir virtually. So yeah, resounding yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I've realized that too. I was um, traditionally, my market was people that were in a 15 kilometer radius of me. Oh, and wow. That just sounds ludicrous now, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> and uh, I guess my thinking, because the business was very successful, but my thinking was kind of, you know, pigeonholed to that. Now, believe it or not, I mean, um, this podcast goes to 62 countries and most of the audience is in the US and, you know, Europe. Um, one of the smallest percentages is in my own country, which is just so interesting, so interesting and weird at the same time. <laughs> Um, hey, so you've, you've given us so much great content here today. I think it's uh, amazing the work that you do, how you do it, um, how, you know, the life that you run, how you are thriving, not surviving, because I know that there are many people that just cannot comprehend how you do what you do, but you've just given such a, 
a really detailed insight into how you do uh, make it all happen. Um, I know that you mentioned a, a freebie there before, and you mentioned a couple more to me when uh, before we press record. So do you want to tell people about those? Okay, sure. I'd be happy to. So I've written a book called Happy Life Results, and it has all of the answers you need to self-coach yourself to be one of the most happy people in the world. It has everything you need. It is very packed and intense. So I highly recommend having a coach go through it with you. Um, and so I, I offer my services as coach as a coach for um, to help you with that. And then um, also I'm offering, like I mentioned earlier, a free introductory call with me. And then uh, I have, so I'll include the link to the book and a link to my calendar. And um, actually I'll have, should I do it? Okay. Yeah, I can do a link to my calendar. Or should we, do, we'll talk about that. How well, we what, what I will do is I will put a link in the comments to wherever people find this you know, description of the podcast. So I'll put the links in there. Um, but perhaps uh, just in case people lose those links or don't find them, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you and then they can follow up that way if they. Yeah, I can, I can include my email and also my Facebook information. Facebook Messenger is a fantastic way to message me. Um, and I can, we can do email for first and then we can go from there. How does that sound? Yeah, sure. So is, uh, so on Facebook, is uh, Stacey McPherson the way to get hold of you or is it your business name or? Yeah, Stacey J. McPherson. And I'm, I'm the only one that has a J, so I should be easy to find. <laughs> and then, and then my email is Stacey at StaceyMcPherson.com. So now you've made me feel guilty that I've been pronouncing your name wrong. Uh, oh, no worries. It's actually proper both ways okay okay good i'm thinking yes. of al mcpherson you see coming from australia yeah that's a, <laughs> of al McPherson. aussies have free 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 reign to say things however they want to say them <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you too generous hey Stacey, uh thank you so much for your time today it's been brilliant connecting with you and uh yeah so um enjoy your time you you all set up in the US now, or you're obviously still going through the, the house stuff. So I hope that settles for you really quickly. You can get back to more of a, a self-feeling thriving state. <laughs> thank you. You've added a lot thank of value for you today though. So thanks so much. Thank you. I appreciate being here. It's been so much fun. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I'll talk to you again. Okay. Bye. Bye. -bye.